Hi guys, before we get started, I just wanted to add a little disclaimer. Um, I am not claiming to be an expert on this crime or any other crimes that I talk about on my channel. I am only relaying information I am able to find myself over the internet. I apologize if I happen to get things wrong, mispronounce things, or leave details out. I do not want to cause anyone any harm or offend anybody. If I do, please let me know. Also, please bear with me as I am new and not working with the best recording equipment. Hi guys, so today we'll be talking about the unsolved murder of 32-year-old Dorothy Jane Scott. When I get you alone, I will cut you up into bits so no one will ever find you, the male voice spewed into the phone. This wasn't the first grim and unwanted call Dorothy Jane Scott had received from the anonymous caller. It was a voice she recognized but somehow just couldn't quite place. But this particular call was likely the most unsettling and sadly un among the most prophetic. Beginning in early 1980, Dorothy Scott, single mother of her four-year-old son, Sean, had been receiving these threatening calls at her aunt's home in Stanton, California, where she and Sean lived. The calls were the work of a clearly unstable mind, at times professing undying love for Scott, only to call back with threats of unspeakable violence. No matter his mood, he always made it clear that he was watching her, even recounting details of her day-to-day -day life. He would tell her where she was and what she was wearing. Dorothy worked as a back office secretary at Swinger's Psych Shop and Custom John's Head Shop, while her parents often watched her four-year-old son, Sean. Every night, she would pick up Sean, drive 20 minutes home, cook dinner, and read Sean a book. In one disturbing call, the, the caller told her to go outside to collect a gift he had left for her. When she went to her car, she found a single dead rose left on her windshield. As you can imagine, the calls disturbed Dorothy and her family, but no one really knew what to do about them. Because of that, they went unreported. On the night of May 28, 1980, Dorothy dropped her son off with her parents in Anaheim so she could attend a staff meeting. During the meeting, one of her co-workers, Conrad, seemed to be sick and didn't look well. He agreed to allowing her to take him to the hospital. Another co-worker, Pam Head, accompanied them. On the way, Dorothy stopped at her parents' house to check on her son. While there, she switched the black scarf she'd been wearing for a red one. Once at the hospital, it was determined that Conrad had been bitten by a black widow spider. He was treated while Dorothy and Pam waited until he was released to go home. According to Pam, Dorothy never left her side during the evening. When Conrad was released, Dorothy went out to out to the hospital parking lot to get her car while Pam and Conrad Rad waited to fill the prescription. When Dorothy didn't return, Pam and Conrad went out to the parking lot. 
They saw Dorothy's car speeding towards them, the headlights obscuring their vision so they couldn't see who was driving. The car sped past them and took a sharp right out of the parking lot. Initially, Pam and Conrad thought some emergency had come up involving Dorothy's son, but when they still hadn't heard from her hours later, they reported her missing. After checking to see if she had picked up her son, which she had not. At approximately 4.30 a.m. the following morning, Dorothy's car, a white Toyota station wagon, was found in an alley in Santa Ana, around 10 miles from the hospital. The car had been lit on fire, but no one was inside. It was only about a week later that Dorothy's mother received the first call. Are you related to Dorothy Scott? The male voice asked. When Vera said she was, the caller simply stated, I've got her, and hung up. It was the first of many calls that Dorothy's parents would receive. Even though police installed a voice recorder at their home, they were never able to trace the calls due to the caller only staying on the line for a short time. The man would call every Wednesday for the next four years. Shortly after the calls began, Dorothy's father asked the Santa Ana Register to run a story about his missing daughter. The story ran on June 12, 1980, and that same day, Pat Riley, the paper's editor, received an anonymous phone call from someone claiming to be Dorothy's killer. She was my love, the caller said. I caught her cheating with another man. She denied having someone else. I killed her, the voice on the line sobbed. The caller provided details that hadn't been included in the newspaper story, such as the color of Dorothy's scarf and the fact that her co-worker had been treated for a black widow bite that evening. The caller also claimed Dorothy had called him that night from the hospital, though Pam insisted that Dorothy had never left her side that evening. As far as anyone in her life was aware, Dorothy had no boyfriend at the time of her disappearance. Still, police believed the man who called the Santa Ana Register was likely her killer. During all this time, Dorothy was still missing. Nearly two months later, on August 6, 1984, construction workers discovered charred bones near Santa Ana Canyon Road. The bones included human and dog remains side by side. Authorities believed they had been there for some time as a brush fire had swept through the area in 1982 and likely explained the charred condition of the bones, though no cause of death was able to be established. A turquoise ring and watch were both found with the remains and the bones were identified as Dorothy Scott's through dental records. The strange phone calls to Dorothy's family stopped in April of 1984, but they resumed after her remains were found in August. In spite of the killer's taunting phone calls, Dorothy's murder remains unsolved to this day. The last call received merely asked, Is Dorothy home? Sean's father was looked into and quickly ruled out, being that he had an airtight alibi. Dorothy's co-workers were questioned numerous times. 
eerily, although the autopsy couldn't determine a cause or time of death, Dorothy's watch had stopped at 12.30 a.m. on May 29th, only one hour after Pam and Conrad, Conrad saw the vehicle speed by. Though the killer has not been caught, friends of Dorothy and her own son believed a man named Michael Butler is responsible for her death. Butler was an unstable man who lived in the Santiago Mountains and, and was involved in cult activity. Allegedly, he was obsessed with Dorothy. His sister worked at Swinger Psych Shop. Coincidence or the killer? This is a heartbreaking case because the family is still waiting on closure. What do you think happened to Dorothy? I'd love to hear your thoughts below. Don't forget to like and subscribe to listen to more bizarre true crime. Thank you so much for listening and be safe out there. It's a bizarre world. Also, if you have any information regarding this case that could potentially lead to an arrest or identify the killer, please, please turn it in to authorities. Dorothy's son, Sean, is still waiting on closure for his mother's death. Any new information regarding this case would be appreciated. Again, have a wonderful day and please stay safe out there.